You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now a word from our sponsor, Netscope. Netscope is a worldwide leader in SASE and Zero Trust. Its unified platform, Netscope One, provides optimized access and zero trust security for people, devices, and data anywhere they go, helping customers reduce risk, accelerate performance, and get unrivaled visibility into any cloud, web, and private application activity. To learn more about how Netscope helps customers be ready for anything on their sassy journey, visit netskope.com. Gootloader's evolution, Yandex source code has been leaked, and Yandex blames a rogue insider. New GRU wiper malware is active against Ukraine. Latvia reports cyber attacks by Gamaradon. Russia and the U.S. trade accusations of malign cyber activity. A hacktivist auxiliary's social support system. Deepin Desai from Zscaler describes the Lilith bot malware. Rick Howard looks at chaotic simians. And wannabes can be a nuisance too. Lockbit impersonators are seen operating in Northern Europe. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, January 30th, 2023. Mandiant has published a report outlining notable changes to the Gootloader malware over the course of 2022. The researchers say these changes include the use of multiple variations of the phone launch launcher, the distribution of new follow-on payloads, and changes to the gootloader downloader and infection chain, including the introduction of gootloader.powershell. The malware is also using new techniques for obfuscation. Gootloader is distributed via malicious business-related documents hosted on compromised websites, and defenders should be on the lookout for fresh campaigns. Source code belonging to Yandex, the Russian search engine giant, was leaked online. The leak doesn't appear to contain any customer data, bleeping computer rights, and Yandex says the incident was an insider breach, not the result of an external attack. The files were stolen last July, and a former Yandex executive speculates that the motivation for the leak was political— In any case, the hackers responsible don't appear to have tried to sell the code. Security firm ESET says a new strain of wiper malware they're calling Swift Slicer has been deployed against Ukrainian networks. ESET Research tweeted, On January 25th, ESET Research discovered a new cyber attack in Ukraine. Attackers deployed a new wiper we named Swift Slicer using Active Directory Group Policy. The Swift Slicer wiper is written in Go programming language. We attribute this attack to Sandworm. The Sandworm group is operated by Russia's GRU, and Swift Slicer represents a successor to Hermetic Wiper and Caddy Wiper, 
both of which the Russian service had deployed against Ukraine in the early phases of the invasion. Hermetic Wiper was identified in February 2022 during the opening days of the invasion. Caddy Wiper was observed the following month. ESED has not identified the organization or organizations affected by Swift Slicer. The Ukrainian Computer Emergency Response Team, CERT-UA, on Friday reported identifying five distinct strains of wiper malware in the networks of the Ukraine Form news outlet. The strains and the systems affected were Caddy Wiper, Zero Wipe, and Estelite, all affecting Windows, Awful Shred, which is effective against Linux systems, and Bidswipe, which is used against FreeBSD. The Russian hacktivist group Cyber Army of Russia Reborn claimed credit in its Telegram channel for the infestations. Bleeping Computer says that two of the strains, Zero Wipe and Bidswipe, represent either novel malware or, if they're existing, known strains. They're being tracked under unfamiliar names by CERT-UA. The Gameradon APT seems to have tried a phishing attack against Latvia's Ministry of Defense last week. The record reports that Latvian officials said the attempts were unsuccessful. The apparent motive is said to have been counterespionage. The group is also known as Primitive Bear and widely believed to be operated out of occupied Sevastopol by Russia's FSB. TASS quotes Russia's deputy foreign minister as saying that the U.S. has been responsible for recruiting and training members of Ukraine's auxiliary IT army, a hacktivist group active against Russian targets. On Friday, Roskomnador, Russia's internet agency, blocked Russia's access to the U.S. FBI and CIA sites, Interfax reports. They're run, Roskomnador says, by a hostile country, and they aim at destabilizing the social and political situation in the Russian Federation. Blocked, along with the FBI and CIA, is the U.S. State Department's Rewards for Justice site, which offers a bounty for information on four categories of malign activity, terrorism, foreign election interference, malicious cyber activity, and finally, simply, North Korea. Thursday, shortly after the U.S. Justice Department announced the international operation that disrupted the Hive ransomware gang, Rewards for Justice tweeted the following offer, If you have information that links Hive or any other malicious cyber actors targeting U.S. critical infrastructure to a foreign government, send us your tip via our Tor tip line. You could be eligible for a reward. That is, to gloss the offer, we're looking at you, Russia. Hive is a Russian criminal ransomware operation, and like most Russian gangs, it has connections with Russia's security and intelligence organs— Information tying Hive to the Russian government could qualify for an award of up to a cool $10 million. A comrade could retire on that, couldn't they? Military auxiliaries exist within a social context that provides both moral and sometimes even financial support. Consider benign examples that will be familiar to readers in the U.S., like the Civil Air Patrol and the Coast Guard Auxiliary, They function as civic organizations in a civil society, at least as much as they operate as auxiliaries of the Air Force and the Coast Guard. The same seems to be true to a limited extent with hacktivist organizations serving as security and intelligence service auxiliaries. 
Radware describes the support system that's grown up around Russia's Killnet group, stating, It's not common for analysts to have the opportunity to study the social circles of criminal organizations, but occasionally a group emerges that is more transparent than others. Examining a criminal organization's social presence can give analysts valuable insights into the structure and operations of the organization, as well as the relationships and connections between its members and the community around them. Killnet is the sort of group that lends itself to such analysis, and Radware describes three organizations that have been prominent in their support of the hacktivist mission. First, Infinity Music, a music label whose star rapper, Kaze Oboima, has published a song called Killnet Flow, Anonymous Dis. This isn't financial support, rather it's support in the form of bad boy street cred, as if you know Kaze Oboima, you know he's always been official. Second, Hooligan Z Jewelry, a Moscow-based designer of street-inspired jewelry, is selling Killnet-branded drip. And it's worth noting, in passing, how much both Infinity Music and Hooligan Z Jewelry owe to American pop culture. Their street cred is derivative, and that's something the Kremlin can't be entirely comfortable with. Third, Solaris Marketplace, and here we're on more familiar ground. Solaris is a darknet criminal marketplace, and it's made financial contributions to Killnet. Radware concludes, From financial contributions to active participation in illegal activities to passive support through art and entertainment, the social circles of Killnet demonstrate the complexity of criminal organizations' relationships, connections, and structure. And, we might add, the seductive power of American popular culture. Not that that's a good thing or a bad thing, it's just a thing. And finally, Security Affairs reported Saturday that the LockBit Locker malware has been seen in use targeting small and mid-sized businesses in Northern Europe. Though this malware is primarily operated by a group bearing the same name, these attacks don't appear to originate from the gang. Rather, they seem to be the work of copycat actors who procured a leaked version of the gang's malware. One instance targeting a Belgian company was observed in which a swath of internal files was encrypted by the faux lockbit offenders. Fortunately, the company was able to resume normal operations after restoring their network from a backup, though the damage that can be wrought, even by unseasoned, unaffiliated wannabes, as Security Affairs affectionately calls the operators, remains considerable. Coming up after the break, Deep into Sigh from Zscaler describes the Lilithbot malware, and Rick Howard looks at chaotic simians. Stick around. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, 
so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's chief analyst and also our chief security officer. Rick, it is always my pleasure to welcome you back. Hey, Dave. So over on our CyberWire Slack channels this week, you have been talking about uh, this thing called chaos engineering. Uh, I'm I'm slightly familiar with that term, but I I'll, I'll admit I don't know a whole lot about it. What are we talking about here, Rick? So it's a phrase that describes a disruptive and some would say radical idea in the area of cybersecurity resilience. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, resilience is one of your key first principle strategies, right? Yeah, that's right. And while we've been watching that lane of research for the past couple of years, we noticed that a handful of Silicon Valley tech giants have been using this technique since the late 2000s to ensure that their worldwide system of systems never goes down. So what makes chaos engineering so radical? Well, uh, these chaos engineers run experiments on their production systems, and that's the key phrase, their production (laughs) systems, right? (laughs) They're designed to discover systemic weaknesses in their system design, and that's a really fancy way to say that they intentionally destroy, I guess they would say they seriously degrade it, but pieces of their production network to observe if their deployed resilient systems handle the situation the way they designed it to. My recollection of this is that it was kind of made famous um, by the folks over at Netflix a couple of years ago. Didn't they have, uh, it was a software module they called Chaos Monkey? Yeah, I love that name, right? So in, in, in these days, Netflix has deployed an entire suite of these chaos engineering resilience tools, something they call the Simeon Army. Uh, how cool is that? <laughs> right? uh, and they have really cool names like Latency Monkey and Conformity Monkey and Doctor Monkey, just to name hmm. three. King so, Kong. I know. <laughs> that's, what, that's what comes to mind when I thought about it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so in, uh, in this week's CSO Perspective podcast over on the CyberWire Pro side, we talk about the history of chaos engineering and how this is an advanced technique that maybe not everybody should use. But if you're a large Fortune 500 company or maybe even a gigantic government institution, that absolutely has to, to keep your systems running 24 by 7, then this is probably a technique you should consider. Mm. 
All right. Well, that is over on the pro side. So what do you have for us over on the public side? For the public side, we unvault those old episodes from the CSO Perspective Archive. And this week's show is a Rick the Toolman episode from May of 2022 about how single sign-on works. Now, if I remember correctly, single sign-on is a key component to identity and authorization management, right? Yeah, that's right. And, and which makes it a key tactic to consider for implementing your zero trust first principle strategy. So in this show, we explain how single sign-on standards like OAuth, and that stands for open authentication, and SAML for security assertion markup language, how they all work together and how you might use them to, uh, to the benefit of your own enterprise. Well, before I let you go, uh, what is the phrase this week for your Word Notes podcast? This week's word is NIST for the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology. And did you know, Dave, hmm. <laughs> here's the trivia question for you, that <laughs> the authority to create the NIST back in 1901, when it was called the National Standards Bureau, was taken from Article One, Section 8 of the United States Constitution. Wow. All right. Well, there's some schoolhouse rock I can get behind. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Rick Howard is the CyberWire's chief security officer and also our chief analyst. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Dick. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Deepan Desai. He is Global CISO and Head of Security Research and Operations at Zscaler. Deepan, it's always a pleasure to welcome you back to the show. Uh, I want to talk to you today about the LilithBot malware, which I know is something you and your colleagues have had an eye on lately. What can you share with us today? Hey, thank you, Dave. So LilithBot is a multifunction uh, malware family that the team discovered uh, through our cloud security platform. And this is something that we flagged in our sandbox environment. Um, and once we saw the payload, you know, we started analyzing it and the team was quickly able to associate this with uh, a Russian gesture group. Uh, it's also known as Eternity Group, um, which runs by the project Eternity Project. And, and, and it has been active since uh, January 2022, so fairly new. Um, but one of the key highlights over here is uh, this group has been known to use as a service subscription model to distribute several types of payload. LilithBot is just one of them right, on the underground forums. Can you run us through the things that they're offering? Yeah, they, they offer a wide variety of uh, malware, right? Uh, starting with info stealers, which is what we're talking about right now. Uh, it may have additional functionalities like coin mining, um, you know, full-blown bot uh, CNC modules, uh, ransomware, warm droppers, right? So something that allows uh, the threat actor to propagate within the environment as well. And then it also goes on the destructive side of the house where, where they're able to support uh, and, and distribute DDoS bots. So it's really kind of one-stop shopping for folks who are out looking for this sort of stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. What are we talking about here in terms of cost? Is, is this an expensive provider or are these things comparatively affordable? Yeah, so they, they 
basically have a <laughs> subscription model, right? It's a, basically a malware as a service uh, membership fee is what uh, you know the threat actors will be paying here. And and what you're paying for is these type of groups that run the malware as a service model has already incorporated. Um, all kinds of advanced checks like anti-debugging, anti-VM. Uh, they will already have figured out how to securely perform CNC communication, how to offer, you know, buying purchase platforms and uh, things like that. So if you're if you're someone new on the on the horizon, you could basically pick. Uh, one of these payloads up and uh, uh, honestly it, it raises your 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 malware's ability to evade detection significantly because you're already relying on um, someone that has done all the work for you hmm. well let's talk about the detection side then I mean how how easy are these tools to detect and what are your recommendations for people to do so yeah, so these type of tools, uh, uh, so Lilitbot in particular, uh, what we saw was it was, you know, using various types of fields like license key, encoding key, GUID, uh, I mean, uh, global UID, right, which is encrypted via AES, and it decrypts itself at runtime. Uh, it steals information, it uploads itself as a zip file. So all the stolen information from the system gets zipped up and then um, it's sent to the remote command and control server. So when you think about detection, I mean, you, you the very first uh, component that uh, plays a very important role in flagging these type of uh, evolving, you know, continuously changing payloads is your cloud sandboxing solution, right? Having the ability to detonate the payload and observe the behavior and use that to flag the file as malicious plays a very important role over here. If you rely just on static signature-based approach, uh, the part that I mentioned earlier, malware as a service, they have some of these things already automated. Uh, so they're able to get around those static detections. So sandbox, very, very important to flag and block that initial payload from entering your environment. The second aspect that you should always prepare for what if my endpoint were to get compromised by this uh, for whatever reason, right? And that's where the CNC communication and the da data exfil uh, comes into play. So over there, you need to have ability to inspect TLS encrypted traffic, perform uh, DLP inspection, and then apply your CNC detection as well, where the goal is to block the communication from happening between the compromised endpoint and uh, the attacker controlled infrastructure. All right. Well, good guidance as always. Deepin Desai, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. 
Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The CyberWire podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. This episode was produced by Liz Urban and senior producer Jennifer Iben. Our mixer is Trey Hester, with original music by Elliot Peltzman. The show was written by John Petrick. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.